a podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. This is Mana. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mana podcast featuring ordinary men of extraordinary faith. I'm your host, Jeff Peterson. Now, none of the guys that you're going to meet on this podcast would consider themselves to be extraordinary, but it's their humble, holy way of living. That's exactly what makes them extra to me, and I am excited for you to meet them. So, why? Okay, that's not a literal question of why I'm excited for you to meet today's guest. I tried pausing there for a little dramatic effect because those three little letters, when strung together, form a pretty big word because it's a pretty big question. Why? You know, it's the shortest question in the world. Uh, and it's the first question that any of us probably ever learned to ask as kids. Uh, and it's a question that we, if we're parents, are constantly being asked by our children uh, and challenged on uh, across a myriad of topics. You know, why, 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 why? And as we've all learned <clears throat> the hard way, um, <laughs> the answer, because I said so, is rarely the effective answer. Um, but while the nature and frequency of our why questions uh, declines, um, thankfully, over time, usually the weight and the materiality of those why questions increases as we get older uh, because we start getting into matters of identity, you know, morality, even mortality. Well, today's guest is tackling a lot of those heavy why questions in his new book called The Magnetic Heart of God. Understanding the Five Cravings of Your Soul, <clears throat> which, by the way, I love that title, in which in this book, he covers quite a bit of ground in only a couple hundred pages. So it's a quick read, but it's a very deep read, uh, helping us connect the dots between you know, the physical and the emotional, uh, the individual and the relational, concepts of reliance and independence, and just a ton more. Um, and as you may have guessed by now, uh, by both the subtitle of this book and by his very presence here on this show, um, there are some pretty strong threads of faith and God, and salvation that are woven throughout that answer. Uh, so not really a, a spoiler alert there, but uh, and not uncoincidental that the answer to a lot of our why questions um, comes in the form of a who. You know, case in point, just a little bit of Bible trivia for, for you out there. Uh, I did a quick word count. <clears throat> courtesy of uh, ChatGPT, by the way. And in the Bible, the word who, okay, appears 10 times more frequently than the word why, okay? Like literally, like the, so the word why appears, depending on the version they use, around 500 times. The word who appears over 5,000 times. So I think our, I think our guest and our author is on to something here when are we when are we looking for the answer to the why. So when he's not writing, our guest is doing uh, seemingly uh, everything else. And seriously, guys, th this this our guest is going to give you a little bit of an inferiority complex. Okay, he's a speaker, he's a pastor, he's a songwriter, he's a performer, he's a professional coach. Recently, being certified by the International Coaching Federation. So we're not only lucky to have, uh, not only lucky to be meeting him today, but just we're just lucky to pin him down uh, for a few minutes uh, in a very busy schedule of spreading the good word 
Uh, please welcome today's Mana Man, Corey Rosenke. Hey, Corey. Hey, Jeff. It is so um, such a great privilege to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, it is great to have you on, and I can't wait to, to dig into this book. Uh, thank you so much for sharing uh, a copy uh, with me uh, last week. I did have a chance to to get into a little bit. I haven't finished the whole thing, uh, although, I, as I said, it's a very impressively, I mean, you're a great writer, you cover a lot of ground. And so I've only gotten through the first couple of chapters, but it's, it's, it's really, it's really a great read, but, and so I want to, I want to do, I'm going to, we're going to totally get into that, but I'd, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit more of to, for starters, just about you, you know, I did a little bit of, a little bit of research, you know, kind of understanding kind of who you were a little bit of your background and the book itself seems to reflect uh, a life that you've led and lived out of this like insatiable curiosity, you know, I mean, of exploring, uh, whether it's literally or intellectually. I mean, you know, I was reading, you know, you were like reading Plato back in elementary school, you know, back when the rest of us were like playing with Play-Doh, you know, so <laughs> tell us a little bit about, about yourself uh, and, and, and where this kind of curiosity and this, this quest uh, to, to, to ask and answer this question of why, where, where, where does it come from? Well, yeah, thank you for the question. So uh, that's a great question. You know, I'm, as, as you're asking it, I'm like thinking, wow, going back into, into, to pondering this myself, my mom would say that from a very little age, I remember my, my mom says that ever since I was like really small, she says, even when she would do something, I would say, why did you do that, mom? And she would give me an answer and, I, and then I would, that wouldn't be enough for me. I have to keep exploring the deeper why. And so for some reason, that would mean, I, I seem to have been born that way. Mm. But when I, you know, we, I, I was raised in, for a certain segment of years of my youth, um, very poor. Um, for a while, we were homeless and um, living in a tent by a couple of different lakes um, and moving around a lot. And, um, you know, as a quote unquote poor kid, you know, I guess I one of the ways I adapted was I, I poured myself into reading, right? Mm -hmm. um, just it, that was the one thing that just allowed me to leave my circumstance and to enter any world. And so um, I started off by reading, um, and there was a deep question in me as I looked at the world around me. I mean, as I was the kind of the poor kid in the in the class, or the you know the poor kid on the sport, you know, really. I, why? Why are we moving so much? Mm -hmm. Why don't other people? Um, why do other people get to go on vacations? Why don't we? Um, you know, those basic kind of young, young boy questions of why. And they just never stopped. And, you know, then, like, as you mentioned, at a very young age, you know, Plato, Aristotle, these, philo these philosophers that that seemed to answer at the time so many questions. Marcus Aurelius, as far as an ancient philosopher goes, is very underrated. Marcus Aurelius is just fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of just led me on this journey of to, to continue to ask, ask the question of why. And so I left home when I was 14 years old. And I left home with a chip on my shoulder. I left home kind of um, with this attitude that I was never going to be in that circumstance again. And, you know, this kind of vain, you know, naive attitude that I was going to be the best at everything <laughs> and I was going to succeed. And really, I mean, the long story short, that propelled me into a lot of places where I, I, I was looking for the answer in so many places. Myself thinking I would find it in notoriety or thinking I would find it in being the best at something or think I would find it at having a successful business. Um, 
and found dead ends in all those places. And so really what I often say is philosophy led me to psychology, psychology led me to neuroscience, neuroscience let me down and let me ended up in Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, and that's, that's where I, I found, you know, the answers that I was looking for. Yeah. Give So give us a little bit of a time check chronology. So you leave, you leave home at 14, which is incredibly like, I can't even imagine as your parents and as you yourself, I mean, that's so courageous. When in that period, then when, like, when did the when did the Jesus connection come in? I mean, was that after years of searching, or or was that something that was kind of helping you kind of move through these these chapters of independence? Yeah, well, uh, having left home so young, I mean, um, obviously the years passed quickly. So I would say it was when I was twenty or twenty one okay. when when I was uh, first struck with the magnitude of Christ. And and I had I had been raised in a Christian home, so I had the you know the the answers so to speak, right? And I I knew the story of Moses and the basket and you know the parting of the Red Sea and Jesus rising from the dead. But they were stories. When I left home, I was not at all living that life. I was not at all you know walking in a relationship with the Lord. I was looking for for um, hope and meaning and purpose in all these different places. But I specifically remember when I was like I said I can say twenty or twenty one. I was reading um, the Iliad by Homer um, mm. for probably the third time. I always <laughs> found that story fascinating. And if you know anything about the Iliad, of course, you know, it's the story of the, the Trojan War, right? And you have Achilles and you have Hector's, Hector and you have, you know, the battle between the Greeks and the Trojans. And, and in that book, of course, it's filled with Greek mythology, and you have these gods, you know, some gods are on the Trojan side and some gods are on the Greek side. So not only are the people fighting, but the gods are fighting and the gods are cheating on each other. And they're like betraying each other and stabbing each other in the back. It's just chaos, not only on earth, but in, you know, in the quote unquote heavens. And I remember having um, one of those moments that was like a light switch. And I remember somewhere through the middle of that book, like I said, the third time I read it, sitting up and saying to myself, God isn't like this. Mm. Who is he? You know, and that, and that led me to a deep, deep search into who God was. And so my wife and I got married really, really young. And so we started going to church and praise God. We started going to, we had a church that um, was grace filled for a mm. couple of young kids who had lots of questions. And mm. that really began my journey there. That's journey so great. Things. That's so great. When you look back, when you look back before that, when the, that I just I love that story so much. I got chills when you just said that because <laughs> it, you know, you kind of had that realization. You were looking for all the answers and all the logic and all this meaning, and all of a sudden it was just like it just hit you like, okay, nope, this isn't it. But what, when you look back retrospectively from that period of leaving home, you know, around fourteen, and then and then coming to this wonderfully grace filled realization, when you look back. Are there people now that you can remember? Um, and you know, this podcast here, we talk about the influence of men in the lives of other men and helping us kind of shape each other and, and, and you know, kind of you know, be role models and stuff like that. Um, are there are there are there people in your life? Were there men in your life at that in that gap period there? You know, from fourteen to twenty ish. Mm -hmm. That now, when you look back, were they influencing you? Were they guiding you? Or 
Um, or, or, or was it not, was it, was it really just a period of like, you know, no, I was, you were like a windsock out there. You know what I mean? You're just like, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for something, but, 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 or, or were there some people now that you look back and go, okay, those were like little, those were like little angels there that were actually helping me kind of get to where I eventually went. Yeah. I think the answer is both. I think that, um, so at a very young age, when I was turned, when I first started turning to books, you know, I would almost say that I felt like I was raised by characters and books, right? As far as, I mean, one of the books, you know, uh, the authors that I loved that were kind of outside of the philosophic or psychological realm was simply Louis L'Amour, right? The old Mm -hmm. Western books, Mm -hmm. you know, and of course, all these Western books are these macho men of integrity, (laughs) right? Right. And, um, and, but I really kind of looked, it's like, wow, to a certain degree, I think there was a part of me that felt like I was raised by Louis L'Amour, Right? Mm-hmm. But specifically to your question, more seriously, yeah, there. I mean, I specifically remember when I when I left home. Um, one of the first things I did was I was a farmhand um, for a fella named Roger. And Roger, um, looking back at my life now, just brought an integrity um, and and a, a, a gentle strength um, that really. You know, the more I, th- I look back on my life, I see the more my life was impacted by you know, the short time that I spent with Roger, right. Mm-hmm. And, and what he poured into me at that time. And of course, at that time, I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, right. I was just working for him, but looking back now, absolutely. I mean, uh, I have an uncle as well. Um, you know, obviously these are all apart from my, from my father and, you know, the different lessons I learned from him, but I have an uncle, um, several uncles actually, who I felt, um, and I still feel a very strong connection with, mm-hmm. and they weren't just kind of family members that existed, but they truly invested in me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. So, so, so now you're in your, your, your young twenties, you're married, you and your wife, you're finding faith, you're finding great community and great, great message and, and assurance in, in church and in Jesus. And as we are all blessed, um, if we have a relationship with Jesus, we know that there's for as much, um, power and, and, glory <clears throat> that there is in that there's also a tremendous amount of simplicity mm-hmm. you know there's just there, and so i joked at the in the intro that as parents you know very uh infrequently is the answer of because i said so like that's never really the <laughs> kids never really want to hear that answer to the question of why and yet for a lot of for a lot of the matters of faith you know a lot of those questions can be answered by well cuz you know Jesus said so, you know, or Jesus did it, or that's kind of, that's kind of what we do. So, so how, how did coming to your faith actually help you crystallize more of these why questions and then sort of these why answers? Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, a large part of it is that so I, I will often tell people this, and I already kind of told you this story, but I'm going to parallel it on another level. So when I started first asking the question of why, right, and and trying to, like I said, really determine it, right, why led me to philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. And the, philosoph- the answer wasn't there. <laughs> so the next stage I stepped over to was, was psychology and, and neuroscience, right? And the answer wasn't there. Really, when you're as, as impressive and as interesting as psychology and neuroscience is, ultimately, um, it is the it is the study of mechanisms and theory, right? It's not, it's not a discussion, um, um, a search for source. The source is deeper, 
right? So when we study psychology, when we study neuroscience, we can understand how things work, right? Like a car engine. Yeah. But there's still a driver in the seat we have to acknowledge, right? And so the answer wasn't in neuroscience. And like I said, and then that stepped me into looking in faith, I mean, and, and, and in Christ, and particularly in Christianity. And so, and and the, and the Bible is just so clear um, in giving us the answers that we're looking for. So as an example, the book is called The Magnetic Heart of God, Understanding the Five Cravings of Your Soul. Um, interestingly, even in the church today, we talk about the soul all the time. You know, we, we sing about the soul all the time. Mm-hmm. But for most of us, we, we leave it as something, amb- you know, ambiguous. It is undefined. It's something we talk about. It's something we acknowledge. And yet we have left it to a certain degree undefined. And the scripture doesn't do that at all. And so if you approach the scripture um, simply by what it says and not just by the bias of all the childhood stories that you've heard and you say, okay, what does this actually have to say today? You find um, the answer to our whys all over it. I mean, even in the Psalms, right? When the Psalm talks about... um, crying out to God, right? And God being our our refuge and our fortress and our shelter and our salvation. When you look at the context of the psalm, it is almost always in reference to our soul, <laughs> right? And But we we oftentimes as believers have detached from that, right? And we we look at it as a conversation with the brain and the body, but mm. but it but it is so much more than that. And so I guess for myself, as someone who has by God's grace, loved the scriptures. I mean, when I, when I got saved, I absolutely fell in love with God's word, you know, and, and I, I empathize with people who have, who'd have a lower interest level in it. But for myself, I just have a passion and a hunger to dig in to what the word has to say, you know, and I, th- and I think a large part of that has to come to as silly as it sounds. So I was, there was a while where I was a consultant in the forest industry. And one of my jobs was to look after the safety program and in the safety program, we're always looking for what is called root cause, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if there's an accident on the site or whatever, we, we're, well, um, we're looking for the root cause, not just kind of the obvious cause, yeah. but what lies underneath, right? And so for myself, I have always approached the scriptures in the same way, right? What is the depth of this here? What is the meat of this? What, is, what are the surrounding scriptures saying? What is the context? Where is that deep, deep... Um, sense. And so for myself, I can say having spent so much time in psychology and in philosophy, right, and in pondering the intricacies of neuroscience, um, they all are don't have they don't hold a candle to the depth that we find in the scriptures and in God's word. Um, that's kind of where the answers are ultimately found. I'm not sure if that answers your question. No, 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 it does. And I think and I think part of the part of the part of what your gift is, and as I said, I haven't finished the whole book, but just in reading the first couple of chapters, I think part of your gift is in taking, like you're saying, sort of this, this undefined concept that a lot of us Christians walk through life with about the soul. Mm-hmm. And you're able to help readers dimensionalize it and relate to it in just some very, very tangible ways. I mean, just, and, and so as an example, and this is not a spoiler alert for anybody here who wants to read this book, but like your opening scene, okay. Of, of the man in the blue shirt and, and, and the, and his life and his, and the, literally the scene that you put him in is so real. Okay. It's so real. Anybody reading the book would be, can, can picture him 
maybe picture themselves as him. Um, and even, and even your language around, you know, the five cravings, Mm -hmm. you know, is so relatable. So when did, when did you realize that writing was a gift that you had that, and it was a way that you could help people kind of come to this, come to this realization? Yeah. I love your questions, Jeff. And that's uh, I love questions that make me think. Um, (laughs) I mean, that story really is that's, that's honestly relatively new. I, I remember when God called me to preach and um, just feeling a fire in my belly that God has called me to share his word. Yeah. And I know through, through years of practice and trial and error and, and succeeding in certain areas and failing in others and learning that God has called me to preach. I knew that I could preach. You place me in front of 10 people, thousand people, 10,000 people. And I would just love to just share God's word. Yeah. Um, I didn't know I could write <laughs> until I started to write, <laughs> you know, and in this particular case with this book, this book really started back in 2018. Um, I was preaching a five week, um, Easter ser- series and we was, we were specifically, um, wanting to ask the congregation to invite a lot of people, a lot of new people to church on Easter Sunday, because people will come to church on Easter Sunday sure. when they won't come at any other time. Yep. And I was really praying, Lord, what do I preach about? how do I bring a message that shows that you are relevant to all of us, regardless of whether we come to church every Sunday or just on Christmas and Easter, mm-hmm. or even for those who don't want to be there, you know, they just had to come because, you know, they're visiting family and they had to go to church. How do I, how do I show that you are relevant for all of them? And, and for me, it was kind of like all those years of, of the past, you know, what for a while I thought was fruitless study in psychology and philosophy, all of a sudden, boom, just came together with Christ. And it was like, there it is, <laughs> you know? And, um, and so I didn't know I could write until I started writing. In fact, it was a very nerve nervous thing for me. And I, and I quit so many times. I remember, um, I was in Berkeley at Berkeley university with Oz Guinness. I don't know if you know who Oz Guinness is, but, um, He's kind of um, a modern day C.S. Lewis is the way I would call him. Um, But uh, I was at Berkeley University with him and we were wandering around the halls um, having a conversation. And um, I had kind of told him what I was working on and he had just breathed life into me at that moment. I had kind of all but quit. Right. But that inspired me to pick it up and keep writing again. And then, and then another case I had stopped writing and then someone had come back and said, oh man, I remember that Easter series you preached. There was just something in there that was so impactful, which inspired me to go back to write again. And um, so, yeah, I didn't know I could write until I, until I started writing. And I was very much aware of the difference between preaching and writing. And mm-hmm. so it took me a long time to figure out, okay, how do I, how can I communicate this in text, you know, as opposed to in speech? And um and you know what? Another part of it, I have to say this, and I don't know if this is, will be interesting to any of your listeners or not, but I come from an area that would might be considered the Bible Belt of Canada. Mm. And I moved into Silicon Valley, <laughs> <laughs> which is a dark spiritual place. It is hard soil. I heard, I heard a while ago that they said Christianity is borderline illegal <laughs> in, <laughs> in Northern California. and um, And so it is a place that is, I've always been a, a truth teller. But it's taught me to share the truth in a kind, relatable way. And I don't think I ever would have learned how to do that if I had just stayed in the Bible Belt. Sure. Right? I would have just kept kind of vomiting truth out there and, you know, or shooting it out like a gun. 
And, um, but, but living here has really taught me to say, you know what, I'm not going to compromise on the truth. I am going to share the truth. Yeah. But what I can do is learn, truly learn what it's like to share that in love. Yeah. And I, and I've really hoped and I've really tried the, um, really hoping that that came through in the book. Yeah. No, amen. That's great. And I just, I'm so, I'm so glad you're doing it and, and, and taking the hill there. Is there any, uh, that actually was a good segue to the, the next question I want to ask specifically about the book in terms of the response, any difference, uh, that you're hearing in the response f- between guys and, and gals, uh, or is it pretty, is it a pretty universal kind of, um, response that you're getting from men and women or, or is, is one, is it resonating differently or, or deeper with either uh, men or women? I have to tell you, I think it's pretty equal. Um, what, what I have been amazed by is the interest by such a wide group of people. So when I go on podcast or radio broadcasts and I'm talking, um, there are times when I'm talking to fellow Christians, right? But the vast majority of the time, the invites that I receive are from psychologists, are from kind of even sometimes off the wall spiritualists, sometimes even from atheists who somehow are just curious about this, Mm. (laughs) you know? And so I would say men and women are equal so far that I've, that I've experienced as far as their relatability to it, though I will say this, and I'll I'll put this as a bit of a challenge to the men out there. And these are things that I'm learning. Um, Basically 70% of books are read by women. Mm. Um, that when you, as an author, my, my, my publisher was very clear to tell me this, your, your audience is women because men are just on average are not reading, you know, the way women are. And so I would really encourage men to, to, let's turn that around. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, and, um, and, and once again, kind of sit before these, I mean, I, I can't recommend high enough to people like Tozer and, you know, specifically his book, the, you know, the pursuit of God. You know, prob- perhaps the, you know, that along with some of C.S. Lewis's mere Christianity, things that really meant a lot to me and pulling me towards understanding Christ, right? Yeah. To me, C.S. Lewis was kind of that, one of the things I loved about C.S. Lewis is he never claimed to be a theologian. He was a thinker, Yeah. right? Yeah. And and I really tried to um, bring that into my own writing style where, um, yes, I, bo- I believe the book is very theologically strong, Mm-hmm. But I also try to bring people to a level of thinking, you know, that makes them exercise a little bit yeah. more of that brain muscle, you know, in order to understand well, something profound. Yeah. And you know what, now that you say that actually, and I'm not, I don't, I don't go deep on C.S. Lewis, but you know, actually, now that you say that, Corey, you know, the, the way you, your vivid style of writing and your narrative is, is actually reminiscent of like, um, like screw tape letters, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, which is very like you read that book. If anybody out there wants to get into C.S. Lewis, start with that one because you read it and it's, it's a very, very accessible read. And you actually have to like, like you'll catch yourself going, Oh, okay, hey, wait a minute. Like there's actually a deeper story <laughs> that's going on here. And I feel like you've got a very similar way of just bringing people in and there, it's almost like you're just reading this novel, you know, and where actually there's a lot deeper message that's underneath it. So that's, uh, it's, it, I didn't think of that until you just, until you just mentioned uh, Lewis there. Yeah. Thank you for that. And for me, that's probably, again, that's probably um, almost accidental in that, mm. because that is my, that is my heritage, right? It is the, it is the classic literature. And yeah. so part of my goal was to bring the depth of thought 
and language from classic literature and present it in a way that's easier to read. <laughs> yep, yep, you know, like lot, those sure. old books aren't so easy to read. So I wanted to present it in an easy to read fashion. Exactly, exactly. Well, it's fantastic. And so we'll, we're going to plug it here before the end of the show here. But we are at the fun segment now oh. <clears throat> of our big show here, Corey, where we ask the same three questions of every guest. And, uh, and we just, and then we sit back and just marvel at their answers here. So, uh, and it's just, it's a miserably labeled, uh, uh, section of the show, but, uh, it's been 11 seasons and now we haven't come up with a better name yet. So it's just the fun <laughs> segment. So it's got to live up to it. So three questions. Question number one, if Jesus knocked on your door out there in the Bay area, the godless Bay area <laughs> tomorrow, and just wanted to hang out for the day, what are you going to do? with Jesus? I love that question. And I got to admit, I pondered it for a while because <laughs> there are just so many options. And this is going to sound silly. I would take him to San Francisco hmm. and I would want to watch how he interacts with a fallen culture. Hmm. Um, you know, it, when, when we when we look at Jesus in the scripture and we see him kind of amongst the poor and the downtrodden, it's a very different context, oftentimes, right? I mean, when you when you're talking about the specifically in you know that particular time, when someone was poor, they literally had no options. You know, they were born into a situation in which they had no freedom, you know, or ability to climb the ladder. Um, and Jesus's compassion on these people is beautiful, but um, how how would Jesus? I would just love to just walk with him and see. How would he respond to the addicts on the street? Yeah. What what would his what would his perfect balance of grace and truth look like in real time and in 2023? I mean, how how would he respond to these rich people driving around in their Teslas? <laughs> you know, what would what would his perfect balance of grace and truth look like in 2023? And so for me, as you know, maybe that sounds weird, but I would love to take him to some of these dark places that I know um, and watch him be Jesus <laughs> in yeah. 2023. Boy, that would be something. Yeah, I love that. I love that balance of grace and truth. That's, mm -hmm. that's very, very, very well said. Uh, all right, fun segment question number two. If you could go to church with any other guy, living or dead, famous or not, who are you going to go to church with? Yeah, that's a great question. That is a great question. You know, I hate to be your boring guest. Maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's because you know I, I don't know. But I, I I was waffling on this, and I went through a few different people. Um, I went from Tozer, you know, to to Billy Graham. Even you know, what would sure. be Billy Graham? You know, this master of these massive crusades be like sitting beside him in like a tiny country church. Yeah. But ultimately, I'm going to be boring, and I'm going to go back once again, um, just because of my curiosity. It's 2023. It's the Bay Area, right? Um, it's a place where not only is the gospel not preached in the on the streets, but sometimes it's not even preached from the pulpit. If you know, if if I'm being brutally honest, mm. um, I would love to go into the church with the, the Apostle Paul and once mm. again say, say, you know, sit beside him during worship <laughs> and be like, "All right, Paul, the electric guitars are going, the drums are going. I love that. You know, I like that, right? Mm. Um, 
what are you thinking about this, Paul? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know the announcements are given. Hey, what do you think about this, Paul? The sermon comes out, right? And the PowerPoint is on the wall. Yeah. Paul, what do you think about this? I, I would just be, that would be a great experience. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, Paul strikes me as a, a straight shooter. I think he'd be a good. <laughs> I think he'd, he wouldn't mince words. Uh, it's a, that'd be a good. That'd be a good church date. All right. Last question. Uh, fun segment. Question number three. If you could give uh, just one piece of advice to a younger man, mm-hmm. a little further upstream, about about just you know getting to where you got to in your twenties, mm-hmm. but getting there a little bit earlier. You know, just living a life of faith, confidence, and walking with Jesus, what would that one piece of advice be? Yeah. The one piece of advice, I'm going to choose one sentence, but it's actually two pieces of advice that are merged together. And that is surround yourself with intentionality, intentionality and accountability. Mm. Um, when you are intentional about the decisions you make uh, and when you surround yourself purposefully with accountability partners that help you drive towards those goals. I believe that that is the key to worldly success. That's the key to spiritual success. Um, And unfortunately it is quite uncommon today to, for us to live lives of intentionality. Generally we're just responding to what comes. (laughs) Right. And then especially when it comes to accountability, Oh, I would say to young people, accountability is your friend. I know growing up when your parents made you make your bed and you had that accountability, it was no fun, right? But but as you start to walk through life and as you start to grow, if you set goals and you have priorities and and you allow accountability in your life, um, that it absolutely changes everything. And for my part, I I say that not because I had accountability, but because I didn't. And now, you know, at 45 years old, which I am now, at looking back, if I would say, oh, if only I had, you know, walked through life at a young age with intentionality and accountability, things could look vastly different. And I'm very thankful where God has led me and what he's led me through and for the lessons that I've learned. But for young people, yeah, absolutely. Accountability is your best friend. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that as the title for your next book. I'm not your agent, but honestly, Corey, I think that would be a great mm-hmm. A great next endeavor for you. Write that for all of us dads and all of the kids, all of us out there. I think accountability and intentionality is uh, fantastic. Uh, Corey Rosanke, author of the book, uh, The Magnetic Heart of God, Understanding the Five Cravings of Your Soul. Corey, it was great to meet you. Thank you so much again for putting your gifts to great work and bringing more people and helping more people answer this, these big questions through a pretty simple, uh, pretty simple answer. So thanks yeah. again. Thank you again so much for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to MANA. If you have any questions or recommendations for future guests, send them to manapodcast at gmail.com.